Welcome to The Satisfaction Project, your sex-positive adults-only guide to escorts with Aussie sex worker Georgie Wolfe. This is episode two, and all around the world, sex workers are out there doing things their own way. How we do business depends on the law, our culture, and our personal preferences. And sometimes there are some pretty big differences depending on where you are. So this episode, I'm chatting with Tank Smith, producer of the US-based podcast Full Service, to compare notes on escorting in the USA versus my experience here in Australia. Hi, Tank. Hey, Georgie. Thanks for thanks for having me on the podcast. Excited to be here. Thanks so much for being here. I was just talking before we hit record about how um, how grateful I am that you're here, considering you're really a heavyweight. You've been doing your full service podcast for ages. You just hit your hundredth episode, right? Yeah, uh, episode one hundred was Tuesday, so it was like I guess like ninety seven. I started in October of twenty nineteen, so it's been wow. like basically ninety seven weeks in a row we've been doing the podcast. So yeah, I don't know like how you do accomplished. it. Accomplished. <laughs> if, if I tried to put out a podcast every week, I would explode. I thought there were times, you know, when we wouldn't get it done and especially during like during the pandemic, but it was just like, I feel like everybody, I've had so many great guests that are willing to talk. So it's like, as long as people are willing to talk to me, I'll, I'll talk to you and I'll record it right. and we'll put it out there. There's a lot of people with good things to say. And a lot of the um, workers that you had on your podcast, I've really enjoyed listening to what they have to say. It's actually been really great. Oh, thank you so much. Mm, no worries. So before we get into our discussion, there's just a few little disclaimers I have to say up front that are really important. Um, firstly, uh, we don't speak for all sex workers or for all clients. This is totally an opinion-only zone. Second, there's no legal advice here either. So listeners, it's your job to know your local laws and follow them. And then last, just remember that everyone does things their own way. So no matter what we say, please follow your escort's advice. And now that we've got that stuff out of the way, we can get down to the interesting stuff, which is what is the difference between escorting in Australia and escorting in the USA? And I kind of, um, I didn't realize, I think, when I got into the business, how how many differences there were. Um, but I've been running this uh, website called The Satisfaction Project for a little while. Um, and a lot of American people have been visiting the site. And I've started chatting to some uh, USA-based workers and I was quite startled. There's actually, there are some really big differences in the way we do business. Um, so I thought this might be a good opportunity to have a bit of a chat about the stuff that is different. And this is, you know, it's good for clients to know um, if they're visiting the site. It's good to know, you know, what your local cultures and customs are and what the requirements are as a client. But also it's just really interesting to to know that people do do things differently. So I'm really hoping we can kind of get stuck into that. But before we do, could you tell us just a little bit about yourself and maybe like a little bit about how you got started as a sex work client and and with your podcast? Because this is a really, um, you know, really awesome story. Okay, sweet. Yeah. So yeah, I'm Tank Smith. Uh, I'm a stand-up comedian based in Atlanta, Georgia. I've been doing comedy for almost, I guess it's almost like six years. I started in 2015, but I know the last year has been a little crazy, but yeah, about six years. And uh, I started my podcast full service with Tank Smith in October of 2019. But before that, uh, you know, I, I got into seeing sex workers probably in actually like 2018 mm. when I got out of a relationship of like eight and a half years. Yeah. And when I got out, you know, I'm like, what, what, <laughs> what's the move? Help. You know, <laughs> like when I before, before, before the relationship, you know, there were no dating apps weren't even a thing. And, you know, Ooh. when I got out, I'm like, 
dating apps are here now what is this like world that we're in now that's full on and yeah it's cra- it was it was just like a culture shock i'm like wait a second i have to create a profile then swipe on people's faces and that's how we're doing it from now on <laughs> So that was a factor. And then also, you know, I'm doing stand up. So I'm like at bars every single night. And I really wasn't kind of, I didn't want to be vulnerable, put myself in, like, be in another relationship, like Mm. back to back. So, you know, I literally Googled, like, I was living in Raleigh, North Carolina at the time. Mm -hmm. I literally Googled, like, Raleigh escorts and, like, went to some websites and then started, like, booking appointments and, that's how I got into it. it was just like being in a relationship for a long time, getting out and then not wanting to be in a relationship and then started seeing sex workers. Good fucking on you. Like it takes a lot of, I swear a lot, we were talking about this before I hit the record button too, it takes a lot of balls to actually go and see a sex worker and I have so much admiration for people that go, okay, um, I need something and I don't know how to get these needs met but I'm going to just go out on a limb and I'm going to pay a professional. Yeah. Like it's, I never really saw it as like, I know like where, where I was at the time and even where I am now, you know, it's illegal. So I could see a lot of people like being like, Ooh, I don't know if I want to do this, but I was like, Hey, what, <laughs> let's just do this. Let's, I want to feel good. And I know this person can do that for me. Why am I, why would I not do it? You know? I'd like to say something being illegal has never stopped me before, but that might incriminate me. So I don't know if I should say that, but I did just say it. So I guess it's it's done. Um, but this um, this brings up um, a point that I'd really like to highlight for listeners too, um, that in the USA, sex work is mostly criminalised, yeah? There are, there are very few places in the USA where, where in-person full-service sex work is allowed, right? Yeah, basically almost the entire country and then you have like the exception of like Nevada to yeah. where you'll have like there's brothels, like legal brothels in Nevada. Yeah. But basically other than that, it's like literally illegal all over the entire country. Yeah, yeah. So look, there's a really specific reason why I thought you might be the right person to talk about this. Um, firstly, this is a podcast for clients. So we're talking about things from, uh, you know, from a client's perspective and what clients need to know. But also I was really hesitant to get in touch with a US worker and then ask them to talk about um, how sex work is different for them because I was just worried around the legal stuff. Like I know it's super nerve-wracking working in a criminalised environment and then having someone ask you to go on the record and talk about you breaking the law and talk about how you do it and the processes in detail, I felt like it just might not be fair to put someone on the spot. And since you are a a client also, it means that you can talk about things like screening requirements and stuff like that from a client's perspective without us talking about, you know, the stuff that workers can't talk about, like our actual screening processes. It's not okay to talk about that stuff in public, obviously, for our own safety. Oh, yeah, I definitely understand that. You got to keep that info close to the chest, you know. Right. So I kind of feel like you might be a good person like to talk about what it's like and the process you have to go through as a client in the US because I suspect that it's, it's, it might be a little bit different to over here. It would be really cool to compare notes. Um, but also too, like if, if we do, if I do ask anything that makes you feel like you might be compromising yourself legally or maybe too personal, please feel free to let me know. Um, oh, I'm, I'm an open there. book. You can, you, can, you can ask me anything. I'm an open book. So <laughs> I remember listening to one of your episodes where you were talking about um, how you sort of feel comfortable that the person you've picked is is genuine um, and that you're not being entrapped and that sort of thing. And there was a bit of a legal disclaimer at the beginning of that just to make, you know, make sure that we were covering, you were yeah. covering your butt um, and that, that matters, right? 
Oh yeah, definitely. I want to, yeah. I mean, I, it's the same, same kind of thing you say and where it's like, I'm asking people to come on the record and talk about this thing that they do. That's potentially illegal. So, I mean, it is a big ass. So I definitely understand that. Like, yeah, it's gray tricky. Area. I don't think until I started talking to us workers, I don't think I realized how nerve wracking it can be to be a worker in the U S and look, um, I guess, also, this isn't a dick measuring contest, by the way. Like, I'm not having you on here just so I can go, the U.S., sex work in the U.S. is shit and sex work in Australia is great because, <laughs> honestly, um, we have our own problems, right? Um, there's certainly a lot of stuff going on here that sh- that shouldn't be in terms of criminalization and stuff like that. But but I really just do want to be empathetic too. That Like, yeah, some people work in ways that, yeah, really, like, makes them really nervous and is really hard and that shouldn't be the case. So, Yeah. Yeah, it's crazy. It's crazy just the differences and like how, you know, a lot of people are doing are doing sex work and like literally are not protected by the law at all. So like, you know, they're more, you know, more susceptible to other crimes just because it's like I can't go to the police and tell them that I was a victim of another crime while like doing a crime, you know, it's total bullshit. But please, if I start ranting about that halfway through, I'm not <laughs> I'm not trying to say that I'm better than you or that Australia is better because actually we have a lot of problems, too. Uh, so, yeah, as long as I don't want to go on a big rant, it's not about who's better or who's doing it better or worse, because I actually think everyone need, you know, we all need to do things better. Oh, definitely. Legally. Yeah. Well, that was a massive disclaimer. OK, Georgie, you can <laughs> chill out now. <sighs> OK, so like. Just basically, I've made this long list of things that I think might be um, might be different, um, and I don't know if they will be. But let's bounce some stuff off each other. So, just for example, like the language that that we use to talk about sex work, like when you talk about seeing an escort in the US, is it just escort? Are there other words that you use to describe workers? Yeah, I'd say so. I feel like escort's really popular. There's, you mm. know, people, a lot of people use the word companion. That's really uh, nice. I haven't seen that yeah. pop up much in Australia. Yeah, they'll use companion. They'll use uh, providers also one, mm. um, which is a little more vague. Um, I've seen people use courtesan as yeah. well. Yeah, I sometimes feel, I think it's beautiful. It's a beautiful word. It's kind of a bit markety, like a bit of, mar- sounds a bit like marketing spin to me. Yeah. That's my personal but, opinion. I'd say most of the people, though, that I have on, you know, that are full service sex workers, they pretty much pr- uh, prefer either escort or companion. I think companion's lovely because it really emphasizes the companionate nature of some of the work we do, too, that people forget. Yeah. Yeah, that's really nice. I wish that were, were more in use here. I have noticed too, I guess the difference as well, like if some people might do shorter dates and they might be like, you know, I prefer the term escort versus some people that are like, you know, a lot of my dates might be multi-hour where we're going and doing something, you know, besides like Mm. the meetup, you know, it'd be like, we might be going out to eat, we might go see a movie or we might go do like something that's like almost like date adjacent rather than just like shorter dates where it's more of like a, yeah. So it's kind thing, of, I guess, maybe. It is kind of like a marketing strategy, like, because you're, you're pretty much telling your potential clients what you want to get up to together. Like, you know, I want companionate date sort of adjacent experiences. That's the kind of client I'm looking for. So that's kind of clever in a way. Yeah. And it's what really is- all per- like personal preference. Like, I know people that are like, I, well, I like one hour dates. That's what I want to do. You know, some people are like, I like longer dates. So it's really just personal preference. Honestly. Everyone's different. Yeah. 
I will say one thing that really shits me about mainstream media, and maybe I'm not American, so maybe you can tell me more about this, this weird obsession or idea in the media, in, in US entertainment, that an escort is a person you pay to spend time with you and, uh, excuse me, trigger warning, P word coming up, a prostitute is someone you pay to have sex with you and that they're two different things. And every time it comes up in a sitcom or something, I'm like, no, that's not how it works. You don't you don't call the people who have sex with you prostitutes and the people who hang out with you escorts. That's really gross. Like, and we're, we're all having sex with you. Yeah. Let's get real. That's the thing. I think it's, I think it's, more of just a way to disguise it maybe like we were trying to make it like seem like it's some kind of like better or cleaner thing maybe right i know you know that us we're all about shaming people and, especially uh, for sex right oh yeah for it's it's truly incredible like it's like you're making somebody happy and you're trying to like make these people feel bad about doing that thing it's like right and it happens here too like we call it the hierarchy so, you know, oh, you know, yeah, I'm a sex worker, but I'm not one of those nasty sex workers that actually has sex with people. I'm I'm a stripper or I'm not one of those sex workers that actually does PIV. I just give hand jobs. So I'm a better type of sex worker. And not obviously this is not common, but some sometimes people do that. Like like there's some sort of idea that you're better if you don't do sex. And I think that's kind of bullshit personally. Oh, no, I've, I've had that, like, exact same, like, conversation with a few people. Like, it's funny, like, one of the first times I went to do a strip club here, like, uh, I was talking to this girl and she mentioned, like, literally said she mentioned the hierarchy and, like, how there's workers that feel like they're better than other people by doing, I guess, maybe mm. less. And, and her whole point was, like, you know, we're all in this together. And, like, mm. by creating stigma within the work, by separating it, you're just, like, hurting the entire like you know sex yeah. work movement almost how fucking cool is that that you went to a strip club and had that conversation does this stuff happen to you all the time that was like that out of the that was like a one-off we're like actually friends now i had her on the podcast but uh <laughs> that was just that like I, that was a crazy conversation that we had where she just like tells me like hey there's this thing within sex work and like i really never forgot that that was like you know like over a year before i even oh. started the podcast and it's crazy just to like her to tell me that and it's like it, yeah. I, I like and then like seeing it seeing it but like years later through doing this podcast and talking to people and you're like oh wow mm. it's a real thing right yeah. that's really cool and just to to have people open up and actually explain the meta stuff the stuff that's really um really great to know about sex work like what a great experience oh yeah it's like it's it's truly incredible that people like are just willing to talk to me like and that was that was an experience where i was just new to the whole thing like i'd really never even been to a strip club before and she's like telling me this thing and i'm like oh my god like i had no idea it's great and i i really value those conversations and those times when we just kind of open up to clients particularly new ones and go okay hey this is how it is if you actually really want to have a good experience here's what you need to say to the lady or whatever. And then often if they're new to it, they're like, oh, my God, thank you so much for just telling me, you know, how it is so that I can actually have a good time as opposed to waiting and, and hoping that someone will kind of work it out. And, you know, not everyone can work that stuff out. Yeah, I, re I really appreciated it. Anytime anybody kind of told me what's up or like kind of guided me, I was like, hey, I really appreciate Like you're helping me. Thank you. It's good because oh, we just don't know what we don't know and it's so hard to learn stuff in this industry until you get into it. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of one of the reasons why I wanted to start the podcast to like take away this veil around sex work so it's not some like hidden thing that we can't talk about because so yeah. many people are doing it. It's like, what? why are we not talking about this thing to yeah. like help everybody and sh like share information, I guess.
not you don't have to guess going in because it's so much better and you know what you what you're getting into and you feel more confident. This is one of my favorite things to rant about, but I'm not going to get off topic. Focus. <laughs> I'm focused. Okay. So, like what um if you are an escort client in the US, which you are, where do you go to find workers? Like where are the best places to find workers in the US? Cuz in Australia it's mostly online now. It's mostly ad sites. Um is that the case where you are? Yeah, I would say it's a, the same way. It's uh, mostly ad sites. I'd say social media is really big over here. Mm. So there's a lot of like hashtags, like say I'm, for instance, maybe I'm in Atlanta. A lot of people use date Atlanta, hashtag <gasps> date Atlanta. So or cool. Charlotte date, hashtag date Charlotte. So I know a lot of people are uh, using social media, especially Twitter, because, you know, Twitter's probably yeah. has the biggest sex work community. Uh, so a lot of people are using Twitter, but mm. you also have like a lot of ad sites as well. Like I literally, like when I, when I started, you know, I, I Googled Rowley Escorts and then yep. I looked at the websites that came up and literally just clicked on those websites. Like Right. And the, the new ones are popping up all the time. So I guess it's the only way to stay current is to do a Google search. But yeah, yeah what you say about Twitter is really good point, actually. I think Twitter is the last social media platform that sex workers don't just get routinely banned on. And so there is a really good community there. It's a great way to find people and to do your research. Oh, for sure. Like, and, and the thing is, is like, you can kind of just like join Twitter and like absorb good information just by people just tweeting it out and letting like, there's so much good advice for clients, advice for other sex workers mm. that you can literally just join the community and sit back and like, just learn things. And other clients talking too. And it's really nice, I think, for clients to hear from other clients, because it kind of normalizes that it's okay to see a sex worker. Um, I feel like maybe you're kind of stuck on your own a lot of the time and it's like, I think that doing this is okay, but I can't talk to anyone about it. Like that's kind of tough. Oh yeah, for sure. Like it is, if, if I didn't know anybody, you know, who was doing this before I never, I, or at least I didn't know that I knew anybody that had seen sex workers before. So it definitely can feel isolating, which is, uh, which is nice. Cause like one of my best friends, you know, he also, uh, sees sex workers as well and was like, a you know, I could talk to him about this oh, thing that I couldn't awesome. tell any, I couldn't tell anybody else about. And so it was nice having him, you know, that I could so really talk good. to. You're so lucky. Uh, That's great. I know guys who like could never tell anyone, even their best mates. And I'm like, man, what's your best mate for? If you can't say that you shagged someone on the weekend. Yeah, I know, right? Like that's that's one of the good things about doing stand up too, is to where I could like I had an outlet to kind of talk about it, mm. and like I'm like I'm not gonna like I'll tell you what I'm doing. I really don't like I don't see anything bad about what right. I'm doing. So like I'll tell people about it. Who cares? And then the more you talk about it, the more other people catch on and realize it's really not a big deal, and that we sh you know we should all be allowed to go out and get our needs met, all that stuff, right? Yeah, makes a big difference. I um I actually ran this might sound a bit weird but I actually ran a speed dating event for escorts once so we got like six workers together in a bar and then we got six clients and we literally did the speed dating thing where you get five minutes with each person and then you swap just as an inter oh, like that's interview cool. process it was really hard because the clients were really nervous about turning up and having other people see them and you know potentially recognize them but what did happen is these two guys turned up and we did the speed dating. And then we said, okay, thanks, folks. That was awesome. Off you go. And then us, um, us workers sat down and had a few drinks. It was great. But then we came out into the main bar and these two blokes had just made the best friendship ever. Like they were both so happy that they'd found each other and they were having this huge chat about um, seeing workers and like they'd never been able to talk to anyone else 
about it and they were just like this was hours later after we'd finished our drinking and they were still sitting there chatting away like best buddies and to, to my knowledge they're still friends now it's really cool that's pretty cool yeah i know like yeah it's, it can be so isolating so it is like when you find somebody that you can really open up to that actually understands mm. it and doesn't like see what you're doing is like a negative thing it really is right? like so freeing and i've had like through doing the podcast you know i've had people like reach out and email me and be like oh hey i'm a client this has been my experience and uh, it's pretty cool to see so good um and of course the same goes for sex work because it's really nice to have people that I can talk to about my work. And that's not always the case. Sometimes we are afraid to come out or to talk to our friends about it in case they get judgy and stuff like that. So the people that I do have that um, that I can talk to are just make all the difference. It's so nice. Very appreciative. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. So um, I think this is maybe the point where things start to might start to get a little bit different. Um, in terms of etiquette, so say you've gone online, you've gone on Twitter, you've gone on um you found a good ad site for your area, and I think those processes are kind of similar for Australia, although I haven't heard of the hashtag, um, you know, sort of approach before, so that's really cool. Um, but then when you do actually reach out, in terms of the screening, in terms of what's expected of you when you contact a worker, I have a feeling that things might be a little bit different. What? How would you describe the process to someone um, who's never seen an escort in the USA before as to what to expect? Yeah. So if you find someone's ad, you're like, Hey, I want to see this person. I would say the best thing, a lot of people either have like a, either a phone number or an email address that they have on their ad or their website. Mm -hmm. And so if you are reaching out to them already have like a date in mind that you would like to see them that is like farther out than like 30 minutes, you know, right? Like, <laughs> some people are like, Hey, are you available now? They're not available now. Um, Nobody's available now. Yeah, no one's ever, no one's available now. So you know, find a date and time that you th that you are available that you would like to see this person. That's probably not even on the same date as today, and you know, reach out, send them a message, let them know who you are, a little bit about you. Like I'd be like, hey, I'm Tank Smith. I'm a comedian mm -hmm. in Atlanta. I found your ad on Trist or whatever website it was. Mm -hmm. um, I was wondering if I could schedule an appointment for X amount of time. And if they have screening for like if they have screening information that they need from you, mm -hmm. I would put that in the initial email, whether that be like, you know, a picture of your ID, work mm. information like LinkedIn or social media, whatever mm -hmm. they want. Make sure you provide that, you know, in the initial email and uh, and then you say, hey, like, let me know if that's possible. If it's if they are like in call based where you'd have to mm -hmm. go to them. Let them know that, you know, hey, I could, would like to do in-call or if you're looking for something out-call, let them know that as well. Mm. It's really just like if you're – it's – it's yeah, it's like booking any kind of thing. You're just let – them, let them know as much information as you can up front so they can come back with a with a good answer instead of having to constantly just like, hey, can I have this information or yep. this information? We just want this brief as possible. Yeah, yeah. Give them everything up front so they've got all the details that they need. Um, I suspect there's two major big differences between here and where you are, and one is that is providing all the screening information and ID up front. Um, in Australia, we do often ask for screening information, so ID, um, sometimes references, but I, I'm told that in the US there is no, you always provide screening information. There's no exceptions, and then if you don't want to provide things like your ID and stuff like that, you're going to have a really hard time seeing anyone at all. Does, is that about right? Yeah, that's true. I mean, there are most people like our 
they want some kind of like information about whoever they're going to see just to mm, make sure that this person is a safe person. Um, and I, I mean, I have talked to people where they're like, you know, I think that they talk to somebody on the phone and through that conversation, that's also part of screening. And that's really all that they needed is just a phone call. Mm-hmm. But uh, for the most part, it is like they need information like phone number, ID, link, yep. like social media, wh- whatever it is. But yeah, it is if you're not willing to provide that and that person wants that information, then you're not going to be able to see them. It's, it's not going to It's that work. easy. Like, and I know a lot of people do kind of take it personally, like how, particularly maybe in Australia where it's not as – it is super common to, to have to provide screening information, but it, I think it's less – you have more chance of finding a provider in Australia who doesn't require your licence, for example, whereas I get the impression that in the US a lot of people would be asking. Um, but, you know, a lot of – you know, some people might be thinking, oh, well, you know, I'm really insulted that you think I'm a bad person um, and sometimes I get those – those kind of emails like, but I shouldn't have to give you that. I'm a really good person. Like you're prejudging me. <laughs> it's like, mate, I don't know you from a fucking bar of soap. Like no offense. Like we, we don't, you know, we're not prejudging you to be a bad person. We're just prejudging you to be someone we don't know. And that you yeah. have to cross that hurdle, you know? If I feel like too, if you're like, if you get into this and you're like, I'm a good person, that's why I don't need to give you any information. Like, it's like, dude, this person doesn't know who you are. Yeah. You could be a serial killer, dog. Easy. Like, don't it's like taking offense to somebody wanting like your personal information is truly incredible to me because it's like, why would I want to go into this thing with somebody, this intimate thing, and then like they're mm-hmm. on edge because they don't know who oh. I am and I could be like this bad dude. So it's like right. give per- give them whatever information they want so that they trust you and can feel at ease when they're seeing you. So it's a better time overall. Yes. It's the same reason I advise clients not to haggle with prices, obviously, because it's not classy at all. But also, even if you did get a discount, that worker is going to be pissed and you're going to get a really bad service. It's almost not worth the discount you might get by harassing someone for a discount because the the actual session is going to suck. And I think it's the same with screening. If you really don't want to screen, you might be lucky enough to find someone who doesn't require that, but they're going to be so nervous. You're probably going to have an awful session, right? Yeah. And also too, it's like if a lot of people, you know, will use references for providers, like if they're seeing somebody else and it's like, if you see this person that you haggled down and then you're like, Hey, can you be a reference for somebody else? They're going to tell you to fuck they're off. They're going to be like, no, I'm not going to be a reference. Or they'll be like, yeah, I'll be your reference. And then they tell that person, they're like, yeah, he haggled. I wouldn't see him. Like it's like. Yeah. You're shooting yourself in the foot, right? Yeah. 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 It's good to realize this stuff. I, you know, I get that some people might take things personally or might be worried about their privacy, but I, I kind of feel like there's really no way around it. If you want to have a good session, it is to trust the people, person you're seeing. Yeah. 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 So, I mean, like it actually kind of feels like we feel really similarly about that. Um, although some workers have told me in the US it's even stricter than in Australia. There are maybe some providers in Australia who might not ask for ID, for example. They might just need a phone number, but everyone's different. Well, I mean, I have also kind of talked to, you know, you know, providers about how like screening is also a privilege thing. Like if you're, Mm. you know, someone who is maybe charging less, maybe doing it a survival sex worker, you also don't really have the privilege of being like, hey, can I have your ID because you need money. You need the work. Sometimes you've got to pay the rent. Yeah, totally. 
Um, and this applies to a whole load of stuff where pe- where workers are different, you know, setting our rates, how we screen, like it's totally up to us. And, yeah, sometimes you just decide to, to go with it um, and that's, you know, no one can, I don't think we can tell anyone what to do about that stuff. It's very individual. Yeah. Thanks for bringing that up. That's a really good point. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, really good to keep in mind. Um, yeah, cool. Um, I'm so we haven't found any super differences yet. I think the biggest difference we've found is hashtags, but that's still oh, cool. Yeah. I'm learning something. <laughs> um, what about when it comes to the actual session? Like, like I, I guess the biggest thing in my mind that I'd like to ask about is is talking about the sex because I know that in in Australia, in some parts of Australia, sex work is completely criminalized. In some parts, it's almost decriminalized and then we've got a whole lot of places where it's in between but what that usually means is that clients can actually ask about the sex before they do the sex so they can send an email to me saying hey I really want to try this and are you into 69s and I want to get dressed up in a lion costume or whatever um but that's (laughs) not that's not the case in the U.S., right? You couldn't email a worker and go, do you do these three different sexual positions? Yeah, that is the one thing that you cannot do is like explicitly talk about sex acts because that is where it gets to be an illegal thing, you know, because it is exchange for money for sexual services. So you can't talk right. about it. But, you know, I did kind of I interviewed. So I interviewed somebody that works at the Bunny Ranch in Nevada, which is like, you know, a a pretty famous brothel. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that she talked about was before the session, they are able to talk about what's going to happen inside the session. So the customer can kind of go into the session knowing what's going to happen, you know. Which I feel like is probably a better thing because you're able to have this dialogue before. So your expectations are kind of mm. met and you go in with realistic, realistic expectations right. of what's actually going to happen because you know, where I'm at, we're not, we're not, not able to talk about it. So I, as a client could have in my head X, Y, and Z things that I think are going to happen. Yeah. But if that, if we can't talk about it, then, you know, that doesn't happen that I might be disappointed or something, you know? Yes. And this is the big one for me because I'm a total sex nerd. So I literally like to sit people down and go, yeah, so um, what are you into? What have you tried before? What haven't you tried before? What scares you a little bit but also turns you on? Like what makes you really horny? Like I love having those discussions and it, it sounds like maybe you just couldn't have them until you've actually had sex with someone. Is that right? If you're on a date with someone and you've taken them out to dinner before you go back to their hotel or whatever, can you actually bring that stuff up? You really, yeah, you really can't talk about it unless you're like, until you're like pretty much mid, mid date. Like there's yeah. no before, like in the booking process, like if I haven't booked you yet or anything, mm. you can't talk about any kind no. of specific things that, that you want to kind of happen. Yeah. Yeah. And then when you're on the date, you still wouldn't lead with that, would you? I mean, it wouldn't be polite anyway. You sit down to order your first canapé and go, so do you take it in the butt? Like that's not polite on a date regardless. Yeah, no. Yeah, <laughs> I would say I would say not, but I mean, it's definitely once the cuz you're always usually going to you're paying like up front and whatever happens in that session it's like that just happens, but I'm paying for the time up front rather than, you know, at the end I paid for this sex that we just had, you know. Yeah. Okay, so you're saying that it's almost always better to pay up front, well which we do anyway, everyone pays up front, but like and go, you know, this is for your time and companionship and then whatever happens happens and then if halfway through the date you both start talking about your favorite sexual fantasies or whatever it's a thing that just happened it's not yeah. because you've pre-negotiated that you're going to pay for that specific thing 
Yeah, no, because, yeah, you already paid. You're just two people that are talking about a thing at that point. Yeah. And so this is because I guess this is the bit I'm curious about. Like, at what point is it okay? Because I would literally sit down at the table with someone and be like, let's talk about sex now. And it could be quite alarming. Um, You probably need to wait until the conversation goes in that direction naturally, right? Yeah. Yeah. I think I think more so probably just like waiting until it comes up naturally or – you know, at least you've been there for a little bit and you've had a conversation with them. Yeah, not just initially like, okay, sex now, good, let's go. Like, Yeah, yeah, right, which is kind of a rude thing to do anyway if you're on a date with someone. So it's it's nice to keep that in mind regardless. Oh, uh, definitely. It's, it's a bit like sometimes I've met clients who um, I'll walk through the door and then, bef- you know, the, they'll pay and then it's just tongue straight down the throat. It's like, no, 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 this is an actual experience like we are two people and now you're going to sit and talk to me for a while and we're going to get to know each other like it starts slow we don't go from zero to a hundred in five minutes and that would apply with the conversation too i guess yeah it's gradual it's gradual when you talk about paying before and paying after is there a like a a culture of tipping in the usa for workers yeah i think there definitely is i think it really depends on the i guess the level i i'd say you know some people i feel like the maybe the people that charge more their clientele base has more money so they're probably you know tipping more often mm. um but i know that a lot i mean i i see it on twitter all the time where people are talking about it. it's just like they'll say big dick, client clients tipping is like big dick energy oh uh, i like that yeah. i mean i don't i don't like implying that people with small dicks aren't awesome because small dick to people listening you're awesome but yeah i get what they're getting at I am awesome, okay? Uh, you know, so um <laughs> but yeah, I think I think tipping, I mean, it's it's nice. It's a nice thing to do. Like if you're this person's providing a dope service, I mean, like tipping is like a lot of people a lot mm-hmm. of people like don't expect it at all. Like it's like mm-hmm. my rates cover like what we're doing in the session, so it's like not I've never had anybody that I've seen like that that I just paid them what their rate was was like disappointed that I didn't tip them, you know? I don't think it's expected necessarily, but it's just like nice. Yeah, cool. Okay, this is cool. So this is another way we're quite similar. Like I have been tipped and it's really nice, but it's not the norm, certainly not for me and the people I see. Um, Or, you know, sometimes I get gifts too and that's really nice, but I definitely don't expect it. And it kind of sounds like maybe this might be other people's experience too from talking to other workers. You know, sometimes we get tipped, sometimes we don't. We don't expect it. There's not a culture where you have to tip your worker 20% or anything like that. Yeah. I know I definitely think too, like when it's like an independent worker versus like somebody who's might be working like for an agency or something where that agency's taking a cut to where like say you pay them yeah. $350, they're not getting $350. So right. that tip definitely, you know, means not means more, but it's like it's better it's than a big difference. I mean, yeah, it makes a big difference versus somebody who is I works independently that's getting all of that $350, you know. I reckon this goes for brothel workers too and parlor workers. So we do have brothels in Melbourne and I've done a bit of that work and it's really fun, but it can be really high, like it's quite high turn, revolving door, high turnover. And also the house takes like half your money. And so you're not yeah. actually making that much compared to private work. So I did get tipped quite a bit as a parlor worker and I always really appreciated it, even if it was 20 bucks, because that actually added quite a big percentage to my fee for that hour. Nice. Hell yeah. I will say the pandemic has been really amazing just from a client generosity point of view. Um, 
because obviously, so in Australia at the moment, in Melbourne, we're in lockdown, in Sydney, in lockdown, which means that a lot of workers just have no income right now. And I've had clients sending me um, like Ven. I think the Australian equivalent of Venmo, they've sent me like a hundred bucks. Um, they've been looking after their favorite workers. Um, it's really just shown how generous and how caring some people are. That's awesome. With the lockdowns, like you kind of talked about to where it's like, you can't go anywhere. People are like no. pulling you over and checking to see like, mm-hmm. if you're like supposed to be traveling, like that doesn't happen here. So like a lot of workers that, you know, with, when the pandemic was really bad, they're still able to work because we're still mobile. Yeah. And the lockdowns still were not that crazy. But whereas, like, there, where it's like you can't leave your house, like, it's like, how are you supposed to cr- make up for that loss of income? You can't. That is interesting, though. I have actually really noticed that workers in the US on Twitter have been really awesome and open about their vaccination stuff. Like, it seems there's a lot of really conscientious folks out there who are like okay I need to work because we're in a you know we're in a pandemic but I need to make a living and that's that's true like we totally do and then they've just been so super conscientious about getting vaccinated and like talking about it um it's been really cool yeah I think it's like I I feel like one of the things about sex workers is like their health is so important you know to their job their like income so it's like if you get COVID, it's like, okay, that's 14 days, you know, where I can't do anything. Right. I have to quarantine. And especially too, like with it being worse with these like different variants and stuff, it's like, mm. oh my God. It's kind of like precautions, I guess. I know there's some people that are definitely like, I don't know what's in this vaccine. I'm not going to do it. But I feel like there's been like a lot, like you said, like a lot of people uh, in the sex work community on Twitter really like promoting mm. like being vaccinated or, you know, having right. the being safe. And of course, there are some people who can't take vaccines because of health conditions and things like that. So um, it can't happen for everyone. But uh, it's been really cool to see workers just showing up and showing really good, uh, I think, setting a really good example, not just for other workers, but for clients as well. Like, hey, maybe you should go and get the jab also. This has been a really good chat. I think I haven't looked at the timer, but I reckon we've run like super, super over just because I got really into it. Thank you so much. Oh, no, (laughs) thank you for having me. It's been a lot of fun. And just to reiterate as well, too, for folks that are listening, just a reminder that this stuff has been from our own experience. So if you've had an experience that's outside of this, and obviously we're talking in generalities, we're talking about an entire country or a couple of entire countries. Um, But, you know, I feel like this has been kind of interesting. I've learned a couple of things that I didn't know. So thank you. Oh, no. Uh, Thank you. So um, your podcast is massive and I highly recommend it. Um, can you tell us a bit more about where people can find you if they're interested in checking out your stuff? Yeah. So you should basically be able to find us wherever you listen to podcasts. We're on Spotify, Stitcher, uh, Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, Audible, Good stuff. iHeartRadio, everywhere. And the more we, that we can talk about the client's experience, I reckon, the better it's going to be for clients and the better they're going to, um, the more they're going to enjoy their stuff. So this is really important. Heck yeah. Thanks for joining us. If you want to become a real escort expert, head on over to the website, satisfactionproject.com. You can also find me on Twitter. The handle is at allaboutescorts. See you next time.